Hey, good morning, church. It is good to be here with you live and in person. Those who are joining us online via live stream and those who will be watching or listening later on on the podcast through the week, thank you. Thank you and welcome home. I'm Scott Blount. I'm the associate minister here at Vero Christian Church. And over the next couple of weeks, I have the privilege of going on a journey with you. Now, I have to confess to you right up front, I'm not an expert. All right. I'm going on the journey with you. All right, so I, I will share some victories, and I'll share some still-to-come victories on that journey uh, as well. But over the next three weeks, we're going to be taking a look at the art of neighboring. Now, i got to tell you, when our kids were growing up, we lived at 4426 Cheer Street in Ashland, Kentucky. Yeah. 4426 Cheer Street. I mean, that sounds like a happy place, doesn't it? And it was. It was a dead-end street that ran off of a dead-end street that ran off of yet another dead-end street. Yeah, we used to laugh about cars that would drive down our street that, you know, that we didn't know. And we'd go, they either know somebody who lives here or they are so hopelessly lost, there is nothing we can do for them. All right? But because we lived on a dead-end street that ran off a dead-end street that ran off a dead-end street, that meant our street was part of the neighborhood playground. I mean, you could play out in the street without having to yell, car, every couple of minutes. Because there were no cars coming up and down our street. And our kids took advantage of that. And there were several kids about the same age within our neighborhood. And so, man, it was on. It was on like Donkey Kong. And that's back when Donkey Kong was first coming out. Our kids, man, I mean, we played all kinds of different ball in the street, football, baseball, basketball, you name it. We played tag uh, in the summer, and uh, we would ride bikes down the street. You had to be careful because at the end of our street, which went down an incline, there was like a little cliff into the woods. So not that anybody ever went over that, but that's the story for another message, okay? In the wintertime, we would sleigh ride. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. And... Because we had kids in the neighborhood that were all about the same age, we kind of developed this open-door policy within our neighborhood. I mean, it was nothing to come home and find a bunch of neighbor kids in the house. And sometimes our kids were with them, and sometimes they were at somebody else's house, you know? You just never knew. Because so, we just had this open-door policy. You could just kind of come and go. It was a great place to live. But that open-door policy came back to bite us once. One day, our middle child, many of you know Ian, he's the quintessential middle child, and we laugh about that with him now that he's a dad, but one day Ian was nowhere to be found. We could not find him anywhere in the neighborhood. We were searching all over. We even went up and around the corner in an out-of-bounds area looking for him. Did I mention that he's the middle child? Okay. He was nowhere to be found. I mean, we were in a panic. We were about ready to call the police because we had searched all over the neighborhood. Well, not all over the neighborhood. We hadn't checked Sherry's house across the street because Sherry and her kids were gone. They weren't even around that day. So we didn't check there. But as we are in a full-blown panic trying to find Ian, Sherry and her kids came back home. Imagine their surprise when they walked in the house and there sat Ian in their living room playing video games. 
<laughs> Imagine our surprise. <laughs> so you got to be careful about that open door policy sometimes because it can get a little out of control. Now, I know that nostalgia is so 90s, right? We don't live in that day and age anymore. We live in gated communities. We've traded the front porch for the back porch or the pool deck. We have garage door openers in our car so we can pull from the street into our driveway with the garage door opening and we can go right on in. Don't even have to acknowledge the existence of the people who live 30 feet on either side of us, right? A lot of us simply don't know our neighbors. We just don't know them. And for followers of Christ, I think that's, that's probably a, an issue that we need to tackle. I mean, what's holding us back? What is holding us back? Maybe we shouldn't let our children break and enter a neighbor's house as a you know, way to get to know them. But what if we actually got to know our actual neighbors? I mean, how can we begin to obey the great command of Jesus? Because that's the central question that we want to tackle over the next couple of weeks. How can we begin to obey the great command of Jesus? Jesus commands us to love our neighbors. So again, I ask, what if that actually means to love our actual neighbors? Not saying we need to camp out by their garage door and ambush them on their way in, but maybe we could take some steps, literally, outside the front door and get to know our neighbors. Now, all of that, of course, is even predicated on an age-old question, well, who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus was asked that very question by an expert in the law. We read the story uh, that leads up to the story of the Good Samaritan. Maybe you've heard of that one. In Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, let me set the scene for you just a little bit. The expert of the law has come to Jesus and asked him what he's got to do to inherit eternal life. And this, this expert of the law, he's not all that much unlike us, all right? He probably enjoyed hanging out with people who were like him and had similar experiences and similar you know, hobbies and interests and all of that kind of deal. He probably had a, a schedule that often was way over busy. And the last thing he wanted to do was come home from a long day at work to find his house invaded by a bunch of strangers. We can relate to that, right? That's the setting that I want to set as we take a look at God's Word together this morning. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. One day... An expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. The man wanting to justify his actions, and so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Time out. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? 
the man wanted to justify his actions. And so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? You see, the man wanted to define the word neighbor in such a way that he could not be found blameworthy in the situation. And so he wants Jesus to define the word neighbor because he's looking for a loophole. Well, Jesus didn't fall for it. Let's continue the story in verse 30. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I am here. Now, which of these three men would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes. Now go. And do the same. Now the Greek word translated mercy here in verse 37 is elios. And it means mercy, kindness, and goodwill towards the miserable and afflicted. Joined with a desire to help them. It's an act of love. And that's how neighboring begins in our hearts. When we determine to be flexible and show compassion. I mean, shouldn't we show mercy towards those who live in our neighborhood? And you know, I can't say the word neighborhood very many times without someone coming to mind. So I, I love this statement from Fred Rogers. He says, Love isn't a state of perfect caring. It's an active noun, like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and now. Now, Jesus assumed that his audience would be able to love those nearest to them, their literal neighbors. I mean, these are folks who shared the same heritage and the same geography. It's a little different for us today in our very mobile society as our neighborhoods can be filled with all kinds of folks that maybe we don't share a heritage and a geography with for very long. But Jesus, in telling this parable, was stretching the concept of neighbor to include even a group of people they didn't like. It certainly did not negate the fact that Jesus wants us to actually love our actual neighbors. I know, I know. I got Mr. Rogers in my head again, too. 
I'm not saying you need to don a cardigan sweater and start singing that song that's already going through some of your minds right now. A cardigan sweater might not be a bad choice on this cool morning that we've had. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, however, is that love your neighbor actually means love your neighbor. All right. I'm not going to be able to keep going unless we sing it. You need to sing with me. We'll put the words up here. Let's sing together. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in the beauty wood. A neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor? Oh, that's so good, boys and girls. <laughs> Can you honestly sing that song and mean it when it concerns the people who live in your neighborhood? Again, Fred Rogers said, deep within us, no matter who we are, there lives a feeling of wanting to be lovable, of wanting to be the kind of person others like to be with. And the greatest thing we can do is let people know they are loved and capable of loving. Man. You do realize that love is the marker of a follower of Jesus, right? I mean, even a cursory reading in the New Testament, and it just pounds you over the head. All of the one another's. And you know, the apostle of love, the apostle John, he wrote the Gospel of John, wrote three books, and then the book of Revelation. Okay, The apostle John, in his letter, 1 John, just that one letter, 26 times, tells us to love one another. Let me give you just a couple of examples out of that book. 1 John 2, 7, Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it's an old one you have heard from the beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. 1 John 3, 11, This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. 1 John 4.11, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Now, you wouldn't purposefully disobey a direct command from Jesus, would you? But, when we hear the story about the Good Samaritan, we're tempted to fall into the same trap that the expert of the law fell into, right? He wanted to define who qualified as his neighbor. And in looking for a loophole, he completely missed the teaching that Jesus had there. 
as we read the parable 2,000 years ago, it's easy for us to turn the story of the Good Samaritan into a metaphor. We can become numb to the teachings of Jesus. And often, it is easy to turn the teachings of Jesus into cliches. But Jesus is serious about this loving your neighbor thing. He's serious about that. You know, it's common for churches to host big events, and then we encourage our people to invite their friends and neighbors to come to the big events, and that's not a bad thing. That's, that's a great way to introduce people to, to Jesus. I mean, we're doing a big event this week, right? We have the Amane Milele African Children's Choir in concert here on Friday night at 7 p.m. I, I know you've already invited all your neighbors, right? But we also know that there are people who are never going to come to that big event. They're just not. Doesn't mean we shouldn't do them. Because it's not an either-or proposition. It's a both-and. We can do the big events, and we need to invite. But we also need to go where the people who aren't going to come to the big events, we need to go where they are. I'll give you a hint. They're in your neighborhood. All you got to do is go outside, out in the front yard, hang out with them, check them out. Now, I want to be clear about something, okay? The art of neighboring is not an evangelism strategy. If evangelism is your only motive, then you're not going to be a very good neighbor. You're just not. However... If neighboring is done with the right posture, isn't it possible that your neighbors who don't know God could come to know God through you? I mean, that's a possibility. doesn't mean it will always happen. And we need to be careful about having this agenda that that, uh, is just trying to get people moved to God no matter what. We need to let God work on His timetable. It's tempting to offer friendships with strings attached. But listen to me, brothers and sisters. We don't love our neighbors to convert them. We love our neighbors because we are converted. I'm going to say that again. We don't love our neighbors to convert them. We love our neighbors because we are already converted. Bob Goff reminds us that love doesn't have to keep track of of what happens because people aren't projects. People aren't projects. We are just called to love people. A few years back, a single lady moved in next door to Peggy and me. And as she moved in, she was so excited about being in the neighborhood, she threw an open house on a Friday night, and she went around and invited everybody in the neighborhood to join her. Now, she was asking friends and co-workers to come and see her new house as well, so it wasn't just a neighborhood thing, but neighbors were included. So Peggy and I went. We were the only folks from the neighborhood who showed up. 
But we got to know our neighbor. We exchanged cups of sugar as needed, all those things. Our dogs got to know each other. Sandy and Taco got to be best buds. They, they wound up in one of those open-door situations again because you never knew where the dogs were going to be, one house or the other. You know, just wound up being you know, like that. And when Hurricane Matthew blew through, I, I helped her board up her windows. You know, we just loved on her. So after she had lived next door to us for about a year, I was pulling up in the driveway one day, and she was outside. Hey, Scott, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, I want to ask you a question. Sure. What do you do for a living? I mean, I've lived here all this time. I don't know what you do for a living. I said, well, I'm a minister. And she said, no way! You don't act like a minister! And I said, I'm, I'm going to take that as a compliment. She said, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean it as a compliment. You just act like a regular person. Imagine that. Well, from that point, then she said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking and I'm in between churches and I don't really. So she started coming to our life group that meets at our house on Wednesday nights. I, she never had thought to ask, how come you got all these people coming over every Wednesday? But she didn't. But she came to our life group on Wednesday nights. She started coming to church with us. And then this happened. Check it out. Kathy Santorelli, upon your confession that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, for the remission of your sins, and the gift of God's indwelling Holy Spirit. Yeah! Yeah, I mean, it was one of those pretty exciting days in our neighborhood. Okay. Now, I, again, I got to tell you, not all of those situations are going to going to be like that. I, we got a neighbor who lives a couple of houses down the street from us. I still don't know his name. He's li he lived there before we moved in 19 years ago. Saw him walking his dog this morning as, as I was coming down to church this morning. Still don't know his name. So we're not perfect at this, all right? But I, I use Kathy as an example because Kathy is, is somebody that we love just because we love. Kathy has since moved back to Syracuse, New York, where she's originally from, to be with and to help out some family. But Kathy still comes back and visits us at least once a year. This picture was taken last March, okay? And you can see her dog Sandy sitting there and Taco in his normal position because he's got to be between you and whoever else wants some love right now, okay? We love Kathy, and Kathy loves us. And we're neighbors, even though she now lives in Syracuse. Again, it's easy for us to become numb to the teachings of Jesus. We've got to be careful about that. If we're not careful, we can take the most important teaching of Jesus and turn it into a catchy saying that we don't really live out. Because love your neighbor actually means to love your neighbor. Now, if you'll pardon me just for a minute, I got a little bit of housekeeping I need to take care of. If our servers would go ahead and go back 
and get the sermon goodies, and just, just when you've got them, just come on and start handing them out. Uh, we're going to hand out something for everybody. Well, one per family, if you would, please, all right? If you would take one of these, uh, that would be phenomenal, all right? These are refrigerator magnets, but they're block maps. They're block maps, all right? And I'm going to talk about those just a little bit more uh, as they get handed. Just, yeah, just come on and, and hand them out while we're talking, okay? Because... I think we need to be more purposeful in how we interact with our neighbors. How can we love someone if we don't know their name? So some of us need to figure out ways to take steps of interacting with our neighbors. You know? Well, here's a tool to help you. One of the first things you can do is write down on this block map the names of your neighbors who you know. If you don't know their name, leave a blank space, all right? You may want to use a dry erase marker with this because of the mobile nature of our society today, but if you're really brave, you want to do a permanent marker, go for it, okay? But write the names of the neighbors that you know. If you don't know somebody, that's a blank that you can leave out there, and then you can start asking God to provide opportunities for you to get to know that person's name. Again, I'm, I'm saying, you know, don't, don't send a kid over to break and enter. You don't have to camp out by their garage door or any of that, but walk outside your front door. Maybe you're going to walk up and down around the neighborhood, and you can pray for your neighbors. And if you don't know their names, you can pray that God will help you in that regard. So I'm going to be referring to these over the next couple of weeks, so you don't have to bring them back necessarily with you, but, you know, the, the first person who brings it back totally filled out could win a fabulous prize of a dinner, all expenses paid by Steve and Tammy Jones, you know. To... <laughs> Tammy acted like she was surprised when I said that earlier this morning. I don't, I don't know what the deal is there, okay? But, but I, want you to, I want you to fill this out when you go home this afternoon. Spend some time, fill it out, spend some time in prayer, and let's get to know our neighbors. I know it's, it's scary, and it's time-consuming, and we're going to talk about those couple of objections in the next couple of weeks. But for now, let's pray. Our Father and our God, thank you so much for the great love that you have for us. Please help us to get to truly know our neighbors. Help us to get to know our neighbors to the point of even... <gasps> learning their names. May we live lives of love extended to the people who live in our block, in our community, and around the world. May we start at home, and may the love of Jesus in our lives spread like wildfire. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.